Well, thank you very much, Pastor Randy, for those kind words of introduction, uh, just the way I wrote them. Amen. Thank you. I, I tell you, I have known Randy now for 89 years, and I got to tell you, uh, he's one of my best friends in the whole world. For eight or nine years, I know there's nothing that man would not do for me. And for eight or nine years, I know that there's nothing that I wouldn't do for him. So for eight or nine years, we've done nothing for each other. That really <laughs> is the sad truth. Well, I am glad uh, to be here this morning. I wonder as we get started, have you ever thought you knew how to do something right up to the point that you actually started doing it, and then you realized in a matter of minutes that you have no idea what you are doing? My, my son, Kevin, who is eight years old, had recently gotten a Lego set. Now, now, let me say here that when I was a kid, uh, I, I knew what Legos were. I, I, I liked Legos. I had Legos. I played with Legos. But, but the Legos I had as a kid were very big and bulky. You remember these things? And, and they only had like four colors, red, yellow, blue, and green. And, and really, the only thing I ever made out of those Legos was like a big tall building or, or, or a square or, or that car. You know, I call it a car. It really just looked like a flatbed trailer with four wheels on it. You know what I mean? And so my son Kevin uh, gets this Lego set, and nowadays apparently they're a little different because they come in a box with, I don't know, 87 million pieces and colors I didn't even know existed. I mean, is it just me? I've never heard of Jonquil or Opera Mauve or, or Viridian. To be quite honest with you, it sounds more like a fancy car name than it does a color. I can just hear some announcer coming on saying, come test drive the new 2012 Jonquil. So, so anyway, so here I am. Uh, Kevin has, has, has got this Lego set, and, and, and he's got all these pieces. They're scattered all over the floor. And I'm thinking, there's no way, but, but there's no way I'm going to get this thing together because on the box, there's a nice picture on the box of what these Legos are supposed to look like when correctly assembled. You know what I'm talking about? They've got this nice picture there, and inside the box, there's a handy little instruction booklet. Now, when I say little, I'm not exaggerating here. It is about the size of a dollar bill, and uh, as you open it up, you realize the instructions that are printed on it are printed with a font size of two for your reading pleasure. So here I am on the floor with all these pieces. I've got out my magnifying glass so I can read this instruction booklet. And, and, and you know what I'm thinking? Man, there's no way I'm going to get these pieces to look like the picture on that box. And after about three hours, I'm even more convinced of that. <laughs> after about three hours, I'm frustrated and I'm only halfway through. And when I say halfway, I think I'm being generous here. And, uh, and so I'm a little frustrated. And so I tell Kevin, Kevin, I got to step away from this. Man, I, I, got, to, I got to step away from this. I got to take a break. I'm going to come back to this later. Now, later in my mind means probably next year. And, uh, but in Kevin's mind, it meant about an hour. Because about an hour later, he comes into the den where I'm seated and says, Dad, will you please come help me put these Legos together? Well, I reluctantly get up out of the chair. I walk into the living room only to discover that Kevin and his sister Berkeley have figured out how to put this whole thing together. They've assembled the whole thing, and it looks great, and I'm proud of them. But the whole time I was sitting in my chair in the other room, I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to get all them pieces together. 
And to be quite honest with you, I was starting to believe that the toy manufacturers had made a huge, colossal mistake. They'd put the wrong picture on the box. I was convinced of that. Because what I was looking at on my living room floor was a mess. What I saw on the box was a nice, shiny, complete, finished picture. And and man, I'm thinking, man, what I'm looking at over here, it's just a mess. A lot of pieces that don't seem to go together. A lot of pieces I can't even tell are necessary. And and so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, there's no way to get this mess or to look like that picture. Would it surprise you to know this morning that God has a finished picture of you? And it is a picture that he dearly loves and treasures. Now, I'm not talking about some random photograph of you in some awkward, embarrassing, or even sinful moment. No, a finished, complete picture of the person God has created you to be. And this picture that God has has not been enhanced with airbrushing or Photoshop. No, this finished complete picture that God has of you and me as his children is, as the Bible says, without spot or blemish. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I have more spots than a Dalmatian puppy and more blemishes than a teenager with a bad case of acne. You know what I'm talking about? And I can't imagine if God does have a picture of me a picture that he is genuinely proud of and excited about, I can't imagine what that picture must look like. And you know what? I can't imagine that that picture looks anything like me. Because you know what? The me that I know, well, the me that I know is a mess. The me that I know is a mess. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever wondered if God ever feels that way about you? Well, if you've ever felt that way, I believe I have some encouraging news for you this morning. And I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to turn with me to the New Testament book of Philippians. As you thumb through the New Testament there, if you come to the book of Ephesians and take a right, you'll run right into Philippians. I want you to turn to Philippians, the very first chapter. And I want you to look with me at one verse, and that is verse 6. Notice what God says here through his servant Paul in his word. Paul says, I am sure of this. I am sure of this, that he who has started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now look at that again. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of of Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning I want to talk to you about the finished picture. And right at the outset, I want you to notice a couple of things that Paul tells us that we can know for sure. Number one, we can know that God is working in our lives. Amen? We can know that God is working in our lives. And a second thing he communicates here is that we can know that God will finish what he has started. Now let's look at principle number one. We can know that God is working in our lives. Have you ever thought about that? How amazing that is that we can actually know that God is working in our lives. You know, we live in a world of tremendous uncertainty, and there are a whole lot of things going around us all the time that we don't know. 
For example, we don't know what will happen to us today. We don't know what will happen to us tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen to us the next day and the next day. For that matter, we don't know what's going to happen to those we love today or tomorrow or the next day. You see, it could be something good or it could be something bad or it could be something that is just difficult or hard to understand. But Paul is saying here, whatever is going on in your life and mine, we can know that God is working in our lives. And you know what? He doesn't just say that God is working in our lives. He says this, that God is doing a good work in our lives. So what is this good work that God is doing? I think a couple of things. First of all, he is working to bring you to the Savior. He is working to bring you to the Savior. And then secondly, he is working to make you like the Savior. He's working to bring us to the Savior, and he's working to make us like the Savior. Now, look what he says here. He, 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 when he talks about he who started a good work in us. You know where his good work starts in us? It starts with a relationship with him. That's where his good work starts, amen? By, by being in a relationship with him. As we realize, boy, as we realize that we are sinners, that we are a mess, that we are separated from God. Now, you know what? Not everybody realizes that, and not everybody wants that. Not everybody wants a relationship with God. But can I tell you what God's doing? Man, he's doing everything he can do to bring us to the Savior. And, and it's as we realize that we are sinners, we're a mess, we're all guilty of, of breaking God's laws, we're all guilty of ignoring his commands, we're all guilty of transgressing his ways. You know what? We are all guilty of living our lives in such a way as to say, God, I don't need you telling me what to do. I want to do what I want. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want, and with whom I want. Now, I am a parent and I've got a couple of kids, and, and sometimes I'll hear my kids, and, and they're talking, and then sometimes arguing in the back of the house, and I'll hear one of them telling the other one what they think they should be doing. At that point, the other child will respond and say, you're not the boss of me. You ever hear that? You're not the boss of me. Well, well folks, isn't that exactly what we do and what we say to God sometimes by the way we live our lives, but by the way we treat others? By, by the way we respond to our families, by, by the way we handle and use and manage the resources that God has given us, hey, uh, by the way we indulge our own sinful appetites, by the way we are quick to excuse our own sin, but we're pretty ready and eager to point it out in the lives of others. You know what we are? We are sinful, selfish, and wicked people. And you know what? If it were not for the grace of God, we would stay that way. That's right. We would stay that way, utterly and completely and forever lost and separated from Him. But you know what? Part of God's work, part of His good work in your life and mine is to do what? To bring us to the Savior. To give us the best opportunity to respond to the Savior and say yes to him. And you know what Jesus said on one occasion? He said, the whole reason I've come is to seek 
and to save the lost. Do you realize it is Jesus who seeks after us? It is Jesus who pursues a relationship with us and not the other way around. The Bible says in Romans 3.11 that there is no one who seeks God. You know, sometimes I, I will talk to people about their relationship with the Lord and they'll tell me they're believers and I will say, well, how long have you been a Christian? And then somebody will say, well, Brother Steve, I, 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 I found the Lord when I was and they'll, and they'll throw out a number, an age. I found the Lord when I was 18. I found the Lord when I was 22. I found the Lord when I was 38 or 45. You know what the truth is? You and I didn't find the Lord at any certain age because the Lord's never been lost. That's right. He's not lost. He doesn't need to be found. We're lost. And we need to be found. So part of God's good work in your life is to bring us to the Savior. But not only that, it is then to make us more like the Savior. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. You know what it says? It says, For whom God did foreknow, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son. Think about that. Think about that, that God wants to make somebody like me, and God wants to make somebody like you, like his own dear Son. That blows my mind. It blows my mind that he wants to conform us, mold us, shape us more and more into the image of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Does, does that mean as God makes me more like Jesus, as he conforms me more into the image of Jesus, that I'm going to look more like Jesus? Well, yes. Yes, it does. Now, now before you go out and buy yourself a nice white shiny robe and a blue sash to grow across the front of that thing, and you start wearing sandals or growing a beard. Ladies, don't do that. It's not a good look. I mean, whatever. <laughs> However you picture Jesus, I want you to understand, I don't think this is what God is talking about here. I don't think he's talking about our outward, our physical appearance. Because the Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance, but where does God look? On the heart. And you see what God's interested in making you and me more like Jesus? You know what part of us? Our heart. That's what he's trying to get a hold of. Our hearts. He wants our heart to look like the heart of Jesus. And he is in the process of molding and shaping and forming us so that that will happen. Now, you know what, folks? When God gets a hold of our hearts, do you know something? We will look more like Jesus. We will walk more like Jesus. We will talk more like Jesus. We will listen more like Jesus. We will think more like Jesus. We will pray more like Jesus. We will meditate on God's word more like Jesus. Do you know we will live more like Jesus? We will love more like Jesus. We will give more like Jesus. We will forgive more like Jesus. We will sacrifice more like Jesus. We will act more like Jesus. And we will react more like Jesus. Because the Bible says, if any man, woman, boy, or girl is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So God is working in our lives. Amen? He is working to bring us to the Savior. And once that happens, and we have received Christ as our Savior and Lord, you know what He's then doing? He is working to make us more like the Savior. We can know that God is working in our lives. But the second principle that we look at this morning is this. We can know that God will finish what He has started. And I don't know about you, 
But I'm glad to know that. I am glad to know that I can trust that God is going to finish in my life the good work that he has started. Amen? Because I don't know if you, if you understand this, but you know what I think? I, I think sometimes you and I are very good at starting things, but sometimes pretty lousy at finishing up things. You, you and I tend to be good starters and sometimes not very good at finishing what we start. Now, do you doubt me on this? How many of you made any kind of New Year's resolution this year on January 1st, 2011? Anybody? Let me see a hand. You made a New Year's resolution? All right, let me ask you a better question. How many of you made a New Year's resolution now that had anything to do with either losing weight or getting into better physical shape or both? Anybody make that kind of resolution? Let me see your hands. Now, I'm not going to ask you the obvious question, how's that working for you? For some of you, I think it's not. No, I'm just kidding. No, you know what? You know what the truth is? I think it's very possible that a lot of us are sitting here and we're thinking about that resolution. And you know what we're thinking? We're thinking, man, uh, that really hadn't panned out the way I intended. Uh, that really hasn't worked out according to my expectations. In fact, Brother Steve, uh, I not only have not lost the weight I intended to or gotten into any better physical shape, but in fact... I've gained a few pounds. In fact, I'm heavier now than I ever have been. In fact, I'm, I, listen, I'm in worse physical shape now than I was back in January. Now, sometimes we sit around and think, oh, man, if I just had the body I had 10 years ago, forget that. <laughs> if you are sitting here this morning thinking, man, if I just had the body I had back in January, amen. If I just had that body, that weight, man, I would be in great shape. You see, and you know what? I think you and I, uh, I think you understand our tendency. Because a lot of times, we don't finish what we start. But can I tell you something? God does. God will. It is a guarantee. He is going to finish the good work that he has started in your life. And you see, God's good work in you, it's not just to bring you to the Savior. Well, friend, that, that's only part of it. Do you know, if that were God's only goal for you and me was to bring us to the Savior, and we'd respond to that and say yes to Jesus, if that was God's only goal in our life, then you know what the best thing that could happen to us? The moment after we receive Christ, the best thing that could happen is that we drop dead of a heart attack. That's right. Think about it, because right then and there, not only would God have brought you to the Savior, but then he would take you home to be with the Savior, right then and there. That'd be the best thing. But, but friend, can I tell you something? That's not how it works. Because bringing you to the Savior is only part of God's goal and plan and work in your life. The other part of that is to make you more like the Savior. And, and so how, do God, how does God do that? I, I mean, we're all very different people here. I mean, we come from different backgrounds. We come from different regions, perhaps, of this country or even another country. We're all very different. We, you know, we have uh, different experiences. We have different childhoods and, and upbringings. We have many different skill sets. We have many different talents and gifts and abilities. You know, we, we've, we come from a lot of different families. Amen? Our families are different. Do you believe that? Say amen. You say, preacher, you don't know my family. They're crazy. How many of you think your family's a little crazy this morning? Amen. How many of you sitting right next to them? Amen. 
You think your family's crazy? Climb up my family tree, you'll find a few squirrels and a lot of nuts. I guarantee it. Everybody's crazy, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, I think that's almost true because uh, I read a study not long ago. It said one out of every three people were crazy. One out of three. You know what that means? Take a look at that person sitting to your right right now. Take a good hard look at the person sitting to your left. And if it's not them, it's you. Amen. That's right. You say, preacher, my family's not only crazy, they are dysfunctional. Well, join the club. Every family on planet Earth is dysfunctional. Because you know what dysfunction means? It means we don't function properly all the time. We don't always function the way God intends. And you can't have two, three, four, five, six sinners living under one roof and everything always function properly all the time. It's just not going to happen. We're all dysfunctional. Our families only differ in degrees of dysfunction. You see, you, you, you may have the Oprah Winfrey, Dr. Phil kind of dysfunction over here, and over here you may have the Jerry Springer kind of dysfunction. I don't know. I'm sorry, I wasn't pointing at you, Randy. Amen. But look, our families, they're, look, they're all crazy, they're all nuts, they're all dysfunctional. We come from that. That is the good stock of which we are born. But you know what God says here? He says, you know what? I'm going to use all of this, not only to bring you to the Savior, but to make you more like the Savior. Now, how does he do that? You know, we've talked a good bit about how God brings us to the Savior, but how does he? How does he make us? How do we become more like the Savior? I think there are some tools that God uses in our lives. To make us more like the Savior. The first tool is our walk with God. That is a primary tool, I believe, that God uses to make us more and more like Jesus. To make us more and more like the Savior. Because you see, when I spend time with God each day in His Word and in prayer, do you know what I'm doing? I'm putting myself right in front of the Lord. I am putting myself right in front of the Lord and I'm able to see Him and I'm able to know how Jesus acts and what He does and how He thinks and, and, and how He responds. And, and you know what? And, and I'm able to hear His voice as he, in prayer and through His Word. He's speaking to my heart. And so God is using all of that to make me more like Jesus. Our walk with God is primary. It is so very important. Now, now you know what? If I'm not daily coming before the Lord in his word and in prayer, how exactly am I going to be the person God wants me to be? How exactly am I going to be the father my children need? How exactly am I going to be the husband my wife needs? How exactly will I be the friend maybe that you need? How exactly will I be the preacher that so many people need in this world? How exactly will I be more like Jesus if I'm not spending time with him on a daily basis? Can I tell you, I won't be, and neither will you. Our walk with God is so important, and that is one of God's primary tools that he uses in our life to make us more like the Savior. But a second tool I believe that God uses in our lives are our relationships with others. Think about the people in your life who have had the greatest impact on you for Jesus 
For some of you here, it was a mom or a dad, perhaps a grandparent. For others of you here, you would say it was my pastor. Maybe it was Pastor Randy. Maybe it's a youth minister. Maybe a children's minister. Maybe a music minister. For some of you here, uh, you wouldn't be where you are today as far as walking with the Lord if it weren't for your spouse. Amen? Well, I believe God uses our marriage. I believe God uses our spouse and our children as tools to make us more and more like Jesus. You know, for some of us here, uh, we, we've got some dear friends who, who have consistently done what in our lives? Well, they've pointed us to the Savior. And then they've modeled in front of us what it looks like to actually follow the Savior. So what are the tools that God uses in our lives? Certainly our walk with God. Secondly, our relationships with others. But a third tool that God uses so many times is our trials. Our trials. You, you know, I have found in my own personal life that God sometimes uses trials and difficulties and hardships, well, about as much as any other tool in my life to do his good work in me. Now, I wish that were not the case. I wish it were just the opposite. Can you understand what I'm saying? I wish I had a life free of all problems. I wish I didn't have any problems, any difficulties, any challenges, hey, any handicaps, any sicknesses. I wish I didn't have any of that. Who would be with me on that? Say amen. Amen. I wish that. Uh, man, I wish I, listen, I wish I was perfectly healthy, perfectly strong all the time. I wish I had a perfect body. I'm working on I've got a long way to go. Man, I tell you what, I'm looking at Randy over here. I wish I was more like Randy. You know, I, I mean, I wish I was as tall as Randy Hahn. I'm telling you something. You folks don't realize this. He's a giant. He's 5'8". I'm telling you, I dream of being 5'8". Let me be clear. I dream of 5'2". I'm telling you, I do. That'd be a dream come true for me. Man, I wish I didn't have any of these problems. And you know what else? I wish at the same time, while I didn't have any of these problems or difficulties or hardships, you know what I wish? I wish God would just do what? Just bless, bless, bless. Bless, bless, bless. Steve's one of my favorites. I'm just going to bless him all day. Bless him all day, all day, all night, all night. And you know what I think? You know what I think I would do in response to that? Man, I think, you know what I'd like to believe? I'd like to believe that that would just make me run to the Savior and cling to the Savior and hold on to the Savior, and never want to let go, and always want to be in His presence. And the more I did that, man, the more I'd look more and more like the Savior every day. It sounds great, doesn't it? But it doesn't work. It wouldn't work. Do, do you realize that, that it, it wouldn't work in my life? Why? Why wouldn't it? Because you know what I would start to believe eventually? If everything in my life were as I just described it, and let's just say a perfect life, perfect health, perfect relationships with God and with everybody else, perfect environment, and perfect circumstances, let's say I had all that. Do you know what I would eventually start to believe? Well, I'd start to believe I don't need God. What do I need God for? Man, everything in my life is great. And you say, now, come on, Steve. You think that's how you would really respond? Sadly, yes. And so would you. How do, you. how do I know that? Look at Adam and Eve for a moment. The first people who ever graced this planet. And do you know what they had? They had everything I just described for you. 
They had perfect health, perfect relationship with each other, perfect relationship with God. They were in a perfect environment. Listen, they had perfect circumstances all the way around. And God just continued to bless, 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 give, give, give. And you know what they eventually said? They said, God, you're not the boss of me. I want to do what I want. And you know what I want right now more than anything else you've already given me? I want the very thing that you've told me is not good for me and I need to stay away from. So you see, trials and difficulties and hard times, do you know what they do in our lives? Well, oftentimes, they drive us to the Savior. And they help us to realize our need for the Savior. And they force us to depend on the Savior rather than depending on ourselves. And you know what God is doing? I can know that God is working in my life. And I can know that he will finish what he has started. And he is working not only to bring me to the Savior, but to make me more like the Savior. And you know, I, I think back to when I was a little boy, and, and, and I have this handicap called cerebral palsy. And, and you know what God did in my life as a result of cerebral palsy? Do you know that was one of God's tools in my life to bring me to the Savior at a very young age? And my little boy and I, uh, Kevin and I, were talking about this uh, just a couple of days ago. And he said, he said, Dad, he said, you know what? He says, uh, I, I'm sorry that you have cerebral palsy. He says, but you know what? If you didn't have cerebral palsy, I bet you wouldn't be a preacher. You know, he's probably right about that. And, and you know, in recent years, God has used cancer in my life to continue his good work. In me Now, let me be clear and say to you this morning that I don't believe for one minute, in order for you and I to be more like Jesus, that you have to have cerebral palsy or cancer or both. But here's what I do know. God will do whatever it takes in your life and mine. He will allow whatever is necessary in your life and mine, not only to bring us to the Savior, but to make us more like the Savior. God is working in our lives, and friend, we can know that God will finish what He has started. God has a finished picture of me and you, a finished, complete picture of the person that He has created you and me to be. So what do we do with all this? Well, we thank God, and we believe God, and we trust God, and we walk with God. And we say to God, God, I don't want to get in the way of what you are doing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for this time in your word. And God, I thank you that you are working in our lives. And for some here today, you are working to bring them to the Savior. You are working. You are knocking at the door of their heart. You want to begin a relationship with them. But you are not going to force yourself upon them. You can't, you're not going to force them to receive Christ. But boy, that is what you want so desperately for them. And you are moving heaven and earth, if necessary, to make that happen. And so, Lord, I pray for some who are here who have never received Jesus as their Savior and Lord. I pray that this morning, 
I pray this morning they would say yes to you. They would say yes to Jesus. They would say, yes, Lord, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that you love me. And I realize that you died for my sins on a cross and rose from the dead. And right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart, to be my Savior, to forgive me of my sins. I'm ready. I want that relationship with you. Lord, I thank you that you are working in our lives, partly to bring us to the Savior. But I thank you, you're also working in our lives to make us more like the Savior. And God, for many in this room today, they're going through some tough times and some difficult times, and they don't understand. And God, I think we've all been there, but Lord, I pray that whatever is happening in our lives, we will see it as from you, and we will trust that you are in control, and you are tr- we will trust that whatever is going on, you're going to use that to make us more like Jesus. God, we thank you that you are working in our lives. God, we thank you that you will finish what you have started. Lord, some are here today, and they are looking for a church home, a family of believers that they can connect with. Lord, I'm thankful that they've come here this morning, but God, you are leading them to join up here. And I pray that in our time of invitation, whatever we need to do, however we need to respond in obedience to you, we will do that, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.